Hello, and thanks for tuning in for a new episode of From Red to Black, a Homicide Life on the Street podcast. This is Joe. This is Daniel. Um, just so you know, the purpose of the show, which we should state from time to time, for sure, is to, uh, Joe and I watch an episode of one of the greatest television shows of all time, Homicide. We watch it together, and then we come and discuss it with you, and, uh, Try to look for meanings and just just try to discuss it in an open way that would make the episode even fuller um, because we love the show so much. This is a very good episode called Crocetti. It originally aired on Friday night, December 2nd, uh, 10 p.m. on NBC. It was written by the great James Yashimura directed by Whitney Rancic and Tom Fontana, who's also involved in the story. I'm going to give a really short summary. Crosetti's body is found, and Bolander is the primary, and he thinks the evidence points to suicide. That's basically the whole episode. Yeah. I mean, uh, every episode that we watch, when we talk about it, we're... (laughs) We're sort of like tracking where these storylines go. There's uh, entangled plot points and things that... There's really just one story in this episode. Which is very unusual. Yeah. Uh, Now, they're still handling it in a way that it doesn't feel... like. At any point, do you feel like, all right, this is feeling monotonous? It still moves out Absolutely not. Like an episode of Homicide. Right. And as you said, how many other episodes have been like this? Three Men and Nadina... Was about one thing. Yeah. Any others, so far? Just about yeah, one thing. Yeah, I don't think. I don't, I think, don't so. think so. Um, but yeah, so this is a definitely um, a unique episode for sure. Uh, do we do we want to say what we think we know? I I will. I'm going to go ahead and say what I think we know about the actor. Evidently. He was not, what's his name? Um, John Polito. John Polito was not well liked among the set at Homicide. Who didn't like him? I don't know. Meaning, was it his fellow actors, the writers? I don't know. Yeah. And evidently, to kill him off via suicide was considered a punishment. That's what I already had heard from years ago. Mm. Now, we went to the Paley Center event um, in which they had a panel of um, guests from Homicide. Someone kind of danced around that question, and they kind of said, all is forgiven, but gave no other details. So I don't know if we'll ever get any other details other than he was like a pain in the ass, yeah. and they didn't like him. Yeah, they they were very diplomatic in discussing yes. that those that situation, and um, yeah, I think I, you know there's you hear like bits and pieces and stuff like that. Um, I know like the the fact that they were, were filming in Baltimore was a real problem for a couple people for a couple actors because you had to be in Baltimore, you couldn't yeah. be out in Los Angeles or right. New York or whatever. So I can see where this might be an unusual uh, job for someone, but. Yeah, this uh, a much beloved character of the show who has not been in this season really. at all. Yeah, right. at all. Um, 
And then <laughs> we even like addressed in the episode how was it the last episode was um, they mention that Crosetti has died right. before we actually get to the episode about right. Crosetti's death. Right, the way they aired. Correct. Yeah, which I want to talk about that too. Maybe we'll save that for a little bit later. Maybe that's a, more of an end of the episode thing is why would they, why did yeah. they not put this up? Why are they holding this back? I don't know. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. Um, but yeah, so this is end. Uh, a character exits the show in, yeah, really brutal and gruesome and difficult, difficult way. Um, and there's like no excuses. It's just, and that is why in that very telling scene when Meldrick just loses it because he knows there's no putting a spin on it. He was, you know, drunk on drugs. You know, it, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah, that, like... Because you're watching it, and I think... If there is, there's maybe a point in the episode where, like, I'm not entirely sure. I feel like maybe they can find... But at no point is anyone, like, really... Uh, I, I guess, like, Lewis is the one who's most convinced, or wants to be most convinced, and really trying to convince himself. And he's never, like fueled to figure out who did it. He's more interested in proving that it was murder. Right. Right? So, like, that just seems like, well, there's your answer right there. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, so... Um, I, I, I gotta say, the anguish that he displays, Lewis, throughout the episode is really good. Yeah. I mean, he's sweating... He doesn't act like himself. You know, you see him in the beginning, he's got that swagger and attitude, and it changes throughout the episode where he's just angry and questions everybody. I mean, it's very difficult because as Bolander says, when's the last time I even talked to him? So he didn't have a lot of friends. Yeah, right. And that's, I think, like, Clark Johnson's, like, putting on a clinic in this episode. He is, like, so, so good throughout. Um, yeah, this, uh, what, what is, like, his emotion here? Like, what is fueling that? Is it just that it's his partner, it's someone he was close to, or is it guilt, too? Does he feel shame, maybe, about it, too? I think it's definitely both. Yeah. I think he, if it's suicide is going to be proved. I think it's a, sh it's a shame thing, but I think a lot of it is, it was his partner. Yeah. He loved him. Yeah. But there's definitely that other part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, this episode is so dense. Uh, there's, so, and it's, um, I mean, starts with, the first scene is them discussing the bird shit on their car, right? And so it's like, still has right. these, you know, really incredible, funny, funny moments in it. But, um, man, just, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot going on here. Um, do you want to go, should we go through order? Do you want to yeah. go, like, yeah. throughout the episode? Yeah. So we were commenting as we were watching it, just on the, the scope of that scene where they pull the body out of the water, they have like helicopters and stuff, and look like a big to do. Boats, the whole yeah. bit. Yeah, and uh, you can kind of like see the body a little bit too. Like there's like 
All the skin is like black and right. looks all. It doesn't look anything like him. No, no. Obviously, it wasn't wasn't him. Yeah, right. Yeah, they didn't get him back for one scene. Right, hey, come on, jump in the river. <laughs> um, and then uh, yeah, so they're oh, and we we see that Lewis is like kind of like picking up the slack a little bit. He's cleaning out Corsetti's mailbox. Yes, and he's covering for him with G, saying he's battling a flu, which of course we know he hasn't talked to him. Right. In in weeks at this point, um, and I think G is is beginning to realize. I don't think he thinks there's anything bad going on. Just that it's bullcrap. Yeah. And for whatever reason, he's not back on the job. Yeah. It was like in a show that I think really like is. One of the best things about this show is how peculiar and odd and fun mm-hmm. and fascinating the characters are. Like, Corsetti might be the most peculiar. Yes. It's like, his obsession with uh, the um, Lincoln assassination yeah. is, like, such a weird character <laughs> thing. <laughs> and, and almost, like, it's not... It's one thing to have a character that's interested in that. But I feel like the way that he just talked about it, like, so flippantly as if it was, like, a game that he saw last night. He was watching a baseball game. Like, that attitude towards something like that makes that character just so... And and I think that's a credit to the writers. Mm. Because I never saw before or since a character like that. Yeah, right. And like you said, it would be like you saying, yeah, the Flyers lost last night. And instead of that, you say, you know, (laughs) Booth had help from the barber. And be like, Joe, what? Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's a... Uh, so such a fun, um, a fun strange character, and so I guess it kind of like you know it falls in line, especially the narrative that they bring in towards the end, right? Which is that like well he's struggling with depression and alcoholism. I mean point two five is like pretty drunk. He's pretty pretty wasted. Um, you know like you can kind of say yeah this is a character who probably didn't have things all figured out. Uh, and think about it, he was divorced. Didn't really have a good relationship with his daughter. I would say almost he had no family. The friends he had were the other cop and his wife. Yeah, right. Um, so really, he didn't have a lot going on socially either. Yeah, and, and so when we see later in the episode that montage of Stan like going to the places that he hung out. So he goes to that... The barber shop. He goes to the bakery. Right, the bocce game. The, yeah, the bocce court, and then goes and visits Chris and his wife. Yes. Uh, and yeah, he's saying like, well, according to reports, <laughs> uh, he was like the happiest guy in the world. And then we find out that well, he he's being uh, everyone who he's talking to is being tipped off that he's coming, and that was like that was another thing that was I was trying to like figure out what the angle is there. When uh, Bolander's talking to um, Cressetti's daughter, Beatrice, and Lewis comes and, like, yells at him, like, hey, you know, stop harassing her. Like, whose side are you on there? Who's right in that moment? I, I, I don't think Meldrick is right because Bolander's been given a job. And unless you don't want the truth, which is part of the problem... Lewis only wants one side of the truth. Yeah, I, I thought Bolander, he put Bolander in a horrible spot. Yeah. 
he like was mad at Bolander, right? And, it, and he likes Bolander, right? And it, but it was like I'm waiting. I'm like, what is? What do you want him to do? Right? Like you want him to to prove that this is a murder or whatever. Well, get out of his way and let him right. work. You right. know, like I mean, I guess that's just because Lewis must know deep down inside he must know. I think at that point he's starting to know. Yeah. Right. You know, he's waiting for the toxicology, but he's starting to know. Yeah. There's no other, there's no evidence to support anything else. And when Chris says, he's like, uh, Lewis told us we need to protect Steve from you. <laughs> to And he says that to Bolander. And that's like, wow, what a profound, yeah. you know. It's kind of mean. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there definitely be, he's being mean to his coworker here. Um uh, we get a nice, uh, a nice little scene of seeing our so uh, detectives in the box being questioned. Yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, uh, something we've I don't very think we've informally, ever seen. but yeah. it was cool. Yeah, and um, I think uh, in that you really got a sense too that like, like what is friendship in their office? Like, are they coworkers? Are they friends? Like, they seem to, they seem to like. Rather than answer questions, kind of defer back as if as if saying like, "Well, you know how he was, right? Like right. you know who he was. I don't know this stuff. You know, I got I don't know this about him. I don't know that. But you know who he was. You know, like, which I guess is kind of feeds into this more like, well, yeah, he must have been sad if people weren't his friends. They seem to only get close to their partners and have a peripheral knowledge of the other people. They might be close with, you know, one or the other. But overall, you know, like Munch knows Bolander. He knows Lewis. Beyond that, it starts to get fuzzy. Right. He knows Frank a little bit. Yeah. Does he know Crosetti? Probably. I, I don't ever see them do anything. Yeah. So it's it's kind of a... It's It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I guess, like I said, it kind of falls in line with this, the rest of the story that we're getting about this character. Um, yeah, it's funny to spend this much time kind of exploring who this, who Crosetti was, who Crosetti, uh, yeah, is on the show. Um, and at the end of that, that scene where there, where we see them in the box, they all say, talk to Lewis. Right. That's who you got to talk right. to. Right. And of course... Lewis and <laughs> Lewis just won't talk to right. Stan. Um, yeah, so uh, a moment of levity there when they're going to get the the cookies. I thought that was great. <laughs> yeah, that silly man and his silly cookies. Um, and yeah, we that's where we, I guess we get that first introduction to something that we a theme we've explored in the show a lot is <clears throat> the Frank Pembleton and God and. You know, he, he's starting to bring up this this conversation again that, of course, you know, becomes a full-blown <laughs> plot piece later in the episode. Um, what is up with Barnfather? Why is he so... Barnfather's, like, so mean. Yeah. Uh, this episode, without any real case, I mean, like, we kind of... We kind of know what happened to this... We know it's not; they're not chasing a homicide. So, without any case, they make a villain in 
the chain of command there. Um, to Bonfather's defense, because he says something, it's hard to decipher. There is a rule they must have in the department that if you commit suicide, you don't get an honor guard, which I could go either way on that. Really? You know, what if they commit suicide because of the pressures of the job? Yeah, right. I mean, it's a hard job. What if they saw their partner and two other people get killed in front of them? Then you, they can't get an honor guard? Yeah. I mean, I could go either yeah. way with it. But yeah, but Barnfather lays down the law. And that's, again, when Frank says, and by the way, I'm not going to church. Right. It's the first time he says. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, what, what? And he's like, nah. And what, it, what, it, why? Why won't he just go for a, for a funeral? I, I still, let's put this way, bring that at the end of that. Yeah, you're right. Road, yeah. Yeah, maybe we don't need the why. Right. Um, now. Um. So yeah, so we intro- we're introduced to uh, Corsetti's daughter Beatrice. Um, G, uh, you know, has he has to be the one now to tell her that this is, probably isn't murder, uh, but we're exploring all the options, or we don't want to make any conclusions before we know all the information. And she seemed that upset to you when he told her that. Um, no, no. I, I mean, maybe a little bit in denial, perhaps, but I think no, I think, you know. She probably knows. Probably yeah. knows. Uh, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what? So there's a scene where uh, Lewis is talking to Bo, and he says, "You owe me one." From that plot before, where it was Bo's friend, right, had killed his father, right, kind of a mercy killing. Yeah, and he wanted it to look like a suicide, or he wanted it to be to come off like a suicide, and Lewis helped him. Yes. So Lewis is like, "You owe me one. I want you to go talk to." Stan and make this a murder. Like, right? That's what he's basically yes. saying? Yes. Which, like, first of all, probably the last person in the office I would go to right. to get anything done is Bo. <laughs> Bo Felton. But, um... Who, what, by the way, though, is very responsible this episode. Yes. Right. Very. Well, and he says he's, he says Stan is the original bull in a china shop. <laughs> like, and that he's gonna, like... He's on a tear. He's like you right. know, gonna do. He's not gonna leave any stone unturned. But there's so much red under huh. Bolander's name. Yeah, there is. Yeah, like when in those scenes when they show where he's like, you know, writing up there, you just see it's a ton of red. He's like, not that not having <laughs> a stellar. Yeah, not having a stellar year. Um, you know what I want to bring up, and I'm gonna forget if I don't say it now. I just want to talk about Frank. How, even though he says he won't go to church, he's very engaged. And normally, you have to worry about Frank in situations like this. Meaning, Frank could have said, look, guys schmuck, killed himself. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And Frank doesn't do that. Frank is in charge of the cookies and drinks and takes it seriously. And to me, that was one of the few times I saw Frank act on behalf of the whole squad, unselfishly 
totally unselfishly, had nothing to gain at all. Right. And I was like, okay, Frank. And of course, we'll discuss the last scene, but it's a precursor to the last scene. Right. Yeah, he's being a real team player. Yeah. Which he never is. No. No. Uh, it's not It's not his evo. No. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that last scene, geez, I guess we'll, we'll get there. Um, so, yeah, uh, Bo goes in uh, to, after his, this conversation with Lewis, he's going to go and, uh, oh, yeah, uh, G calls the deputy commissioner a son of a bitch because he won't get the, <laughs> right. the honor guard. Um, Munch and uh, Bo are in this restaurant and Bo is like really like needling Munch to like figure out like what's going on where's Stan at and he's like he's not even here like that's how that's how good I'm, I am at communicating with him right now right like can't get him to like sit down with him um, which again goes to show you what's their relationship we've talked about their relationships they don't have a good one no no not at all right um, if someone dies and they still don't mesh together. Yeah, and that's so that point in the episode when G is like approaches Frank and is like, you you have to go to this funeral. How are you not going to go? And he says, this isn't about faith, it's about friendship. Right. And we watched that scene twice because where uh-huh. it is, Frank gets up, he like whispers something or says something that was so quiet. I was like, I want to hear what he said. Um, he said he just whispers faith, and the, then the word friendship. Friendship, yeah. What what is he? Is he like what is his struggle there? But how does that translate to his action in the episode? Well, I think everything he did was based out of friendship. Yeah. At the end of the day, right. But the faith part. He won't break that by going to the church, but he did something kind of cool anyway, which we'll talk yeah. about. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, another another neat the way that they work in these moments of levity. We meet uh, Munch's half brother or brother. <laughs> brother. Yeah. Um, who sells caskets? <laughs> um, I don't think we ever see him again, but. In oh, another yeah. episode, we right. do. Uh, I have yeah. no idea. I don't think so. Um, yeah. Uh, so the, and he's really kind of like they're not. They don't seem like they're too friendly either. No. no. Uh, they end up Munch bu- is buying the best casket that they have. The top Where they're the getting line. the money, no one says. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and even for the for the cookies, the cookies too. No one says. Yeah. What a weird way to like. Mm-hmm. They they do that thing a lot in this episode where they're talking about the thing without talking about the thing, like the the anger that Bayless has towards Frank when he's trying to like get a deal on the cookies, <laughs> right? Like it's obviously him like working through his feelings about the death of a coworker and you know potential friend, but uh, he's doing it in the he's choosing to have that fight right in the field of. You know, asking for a discount for and cookies. by the way, he only gets a dollar, woof, yeah, a dozen, yeah, 
thirty dollars off, right? Like a three hundred dollar order. Well, that's a nine dollars for a dozen cookies is pretty pretty steep. I'd say so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Uh, um. I'm trying to like we're kind of like bouncing around. I'm trying to find where we want to go next. Oh yeah, so um, there's that confrontation uh, at this point in the episode between Lewis and Stan in the actual office, and he's like, "What are you scared of, Lewis?" And Lewis says, "Not you," and like gets up and like gets in his face. That was almost a physical. Confrontation, <laughs> yeah, like, and really, I think the big man was on something. Going back to you said to what you said, what was Lewis's motivation? Part of it was, yeah, he finds out it's suicide, and it's reflection on him, because it's always a right. People will feel, could I have done something to prevent it? Right. A B. He was my partner. Makes kind of me look bad. In addition to the true feelings. Yeah, right. Right, so he's like got some guilt, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That he's... And trepidation. You know, I think Stan was right. What What are you afraid of? What if I find that it's suicide? What are you worried about? Yeah. And that's when they get the phone call with, with the toxicology report from the medical examiner that says... He's drunk, there's pills, antidepressants, all this stuff, and Lewis just breaks down and gives Bolander a huge hug. And it's funny, we commented that it's Bolander gets the hug. Right. It's like all the anxiety and hatred was towards Bolander, and we knew it wasn't real. Right. In the sense that he really didn't hate Bolander. But when it's broken... He goes to the big man for a hug. That was that was very well done. Because you think about it, they could have done it six different ways and they didn't. Right. And that's homicide yeah. at its finest. Right. When he hugs Bolander. Right. Yeah. That's like, yes. Yeah. That's the right thing to do. Yeah, just what an like what an emotionally charged scene, and like that's you know that thing that where it's like anger and sadness kind of like being so close together. There's a lot of that in this episode, and it's done so well, like it's done so effectively. Yeah, it's super agree. compelling. Um, yeah, that was an excellent scene, obviously. And uh, Bolander and Lewis are hanging out by the river, drinking yeah. at night. They have their their beer or whatever. And uh, they're looking through all the, like, goofy <laughs> stuff. Yeah, the things that were just in, I guess. Uh, uh, Part of it's from his office. Yeah, right. And he was saying, that in that, that scene, uh, Lewis says that he tried to give the yo-yo to him before he went on vacation. Which, as we know, people will give away their prized possessions. Right. Sometimes before they commit suicide. Right. And that, so... Bolander's like, well, maybe that was his way of saying goodbye. Right. was to offer right. you this yo-yo. Right. Which, like, I mean, what a silly thing. But, like, I mean, in terms of the... this With these characters in this relationship, what a profound thing. Yeah. Um, that's, again, one of those, like, nice, real, like, attention to detail 
about this character is all the weird stuff they have. <laughs> all those books look weird, like yeah. uh, that they ha- he has in his desk. He's got the slinky. He's got a yo-yo. <laughs> like just such a such a strange, fun uh, character. Um. Oh yeah, Kay like really goes in on Frank too. Kay is like, um, uh, I expect more from you. I don't. She doesn't expect uh, Barnfather to be uh, human, but she expects it from Frank. Right. And that Frank, Frank's decision to not go to the funeral, but this is even before it happens. She's like, I can't believe that. Like, right. And um, Frank says nothing. Yeah. Right. He's he's standing by it. Um, now, did you have any idea what Frank was going to do at the end or not? No. No, I mean... I remembered from watching it. Oh, yeah. Well, I remember, oh, I remember okay. it from seeing it before, of course. Yeah. Yeah, but of course, when I first saw it, I had no idea. Right, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... <clears throat> well, let's... I mean, we're basically there. So let's just say they have the funeral. G does the eulogy. Um, Which... It was interesting. We don't hear any of that. We don't see any of the service. No, nope, yeah, nothing. Just them outside, and then they right. do the. I guess it was that a new New Orleans style like procession, a procession, yeah, where they all walk behind the hearse, and there's right. someone with a saxophone playing, um, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool. Is that yeah. was that like? Uh, was is he from New Orleans? I don't know. Or is it just the place that he liked? I guess I don't know. Don't know. But um. <clears throat> So they're walking uh, down the street. They're following the slow-moving hearse. Saxophone's playing, and they walk past the uh, the precinct or whatever. And there's Frank wearing his blues dress boots. Yeah, right. He's got his uh, white gloves on, and he's giving the honor guard just a one cop honor guard. Very seriously and emotionally. Yeah. That yeah. was kind of cool, right? What so what what is the what is he saying there? Like, how does that tie into the the friendship and the faith stuff? Is it that like, is he putting his job, or his responsibility, or his even his relationship with Crosetti above uh, his relationship with God? Is that like what he's? No, I I I don't think so. I think he's putting it. Above his job, I mean, he doesn't care what Barnfather or someone might say, but I think it has nothing to do with the religion side. Yeah, my opinion. Right, right, right. Yeah, so he's yeah. uh he's there to give the honor guard that I think everyone pretty unanimously agrees he deserves. Yeah, um, and then there there was also a, like one line too, where they're saying that it would be with a fourth cop suicide yes. in the year. Yeah. And that the honor guard is bad optics, I guess, if they're... It's just like it's not... You don't want to have too much of a show about... Right. Too For many, the press. Yeah, too right. many dead police officers, I guess. <laughs> so there's... Yeah, there's all like political motivations right. behind that. But uh, but yeah, so Frank is there and so and, and, and I would say it made it all that more effective... In a way that there was just one guy. Yeah. It was like, wow. Because even not knowing the story, you'd say there's something behind all this. Why is there only one guy? What does it mean? And yeah, et cetera. 
Yeah, and I, I feel like that's, like, what we get so much from Frank is that he feels, he accepts, and he un- he's always very aware of his responsibility in the universe, mm-hmm. right? Like, specifically the role that he plays, and for him, it's not just, like, a physical thing. There is, like, a, there is like a spiritual end to what he's doing, and I feel like that was, it, it makes, it's so, so Frank Pembleton to do that, to feel the responsibility to take that burden and it's almost like he's saying to the rest of the team like alright you do what you have to do I'll stay back and right. I'll hold down the fort right. you know but yeah power. to me it just elevated Frank's reputation yeah and what a great guy he is right and like I mean he's already the like the coolest character to begin like, with yeah right but just makes that uh, character goes so much further too um I mean that's like that's pretty much it what is there was there anything else in the episode that you wanted to talk about no I mean I think that's just that again you you know and again considering in reality they didn't like the character the actor they gave him a very nice send off um the people his fellow workers loved him um he got the honor guard they didn't belittle or smirch him um so they probably had restraint as well that was a very a very good um episode yeah i i mean they do like pull his bloated corpse out of the (laughs) out of the water which is kind of like a maybe a a little bit of a that was the dig Yeah, yeah right I heard that about um, on the show Oz. If people were like late to set or whatever, their character would get like beat up in the showers in the next episode or whatever. Like they would write some kind of crazy <laughs> punishment. Um, Written by the same people. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah. Um, and yeah, this is not the only. I mean, not to give too much away, but we're going to visit some sim- some similar storylines in coming episodes. Um, so Joe, who do you think was the hero? <laughs> so, so hard to do in this and one. And who was like. the not so heroish? Uh, you know what? For hero, I'm going to say it's Bolander. I'm wow. going to say Bolander does what he needs to do. That's a there's a, he's in a lose lose situation. Yeah, and he makes the most of it. Um, and he's there for um, he's there for uh, Meldrick when he needs him. I'm going to go with Frank. Yeah. Only because, again, for one of the first times, I'm seeing Frank act on behalf of the team, unselfishly, getting the cookies, doing the salute at the end, just taking it all seriously, and and just not being Frank-like. It wasn't all about Frank. Yeah. So how about who, who was the loser? <laughs> and and don't say um, um, what's his face. We say every week. Oh yeah, Bo. Bo. yeah. We can't say <laughs> Bo Felton. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess what it's Lewis, right? I mean, it's got to be Lewis. Yeah. Um, the, Understandably the, so. Yeah, I mean, the thing that Lewis does not want to to be is what ultimately happens at the end. Right. Like, this character just... Now, I wonder, and 
I really don't remember. Are we going to get references to this in upcoming episodes? Meaning next week, is someone going to say something? I, I just wonder how often it's going to come up. Right. Well, they brought it up in previous episodes. <laughs> so so it wouldn't Before be too, it was even dead. Yeah, right. Wouldn't wouldn't be too crazy. So, you know, because I did have a question about that. So, like, why do they... Is this, is this an episode that they're worried, like, would tank the ratings? Because if you don't follow the story... Yeah, I don't know. Because <clears throat> it's the second or third time they've gone out of order. Right. And shown you things like, what? Yeah. Makes no sense. And that, I mean, this is like a huge piece of the plot. And I, I just, yeah, I wonder if it was like, well, this episode is for the diehards. These people need to know who this character is. Because we're gonna we're gonna do a whole show about everyone's relationship to this person, who is never going to be shown on the in the show at all. Yeah, um, yeah. I was gonna say, maybe yeah, it wasn't that close to Christmas. I thought it was closer that they figured I just blow it off the episode. But no. Yeah, yeah crazy. I um, I think, like we were saying, it's unique uh, for this show. In that it's one story being told the entire time. Definitely. Um, it is not unique for the show in that it is like just remarkably well written. It is like so sharp that Tight. yeah, the emotional uh, the emotions in this episode are like just so well done. It doesn't ever feel like hokey or weird, you know. Like they're just like it's just pitch perfect. Um, yeah, Yashimura is excellent. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. So Joe, someone wanted to get. In touch with us, what would they do? Uh, they can email us from red to black, uh, from red to black pod at gmail.com. Yep. And then uh, hit us up on Twitter too. Uh, leave us a comment, um, shoot us emails, follow us. Uh, read, read our show yeah. on iTunes. <laughs> every, every podcast tells you it, it matters, it means something. So yep. please leave the ratings, uh, leave a review. And, um, you know, yeah, like you were saying in the beginning of the episode, Dan, like that we have. We're doing this because we love talking about this show. Right. We feel like it needs to be talked about. So please, by all means, talk about this show with us. Right. Let us know. Um, and we appreciate all the emails that we've been getting. Uh, that would be another episode from Red to Black. See ya.